Just a word of caution, this podcast does contain material related to sexual assault, which could be upsetting to some listeners. Please make sure you're emotionally resourced and seek help from a trauma specialist or medical professional if you need it. People will tell you you're doing the wrong thing. You're ruining a man's career. Fuck them. Tell it to me straight. Don't leave out a word. Hi, and welcome to Slut or Nut, the podcast. I'm Kelly Shoker, and I'm the director of Slut or Nut, The Diary of a Rape Trial, which is a feature-length documentary film exploring what it is like to report rape and following activist Mandy Gray as she fights to change how victims of sexual assault are treated by the criminal justice system. Today marks the final episode of the first season of Slut or Nut, the podcast, Uh, We will be taking a break to prepare for the release of Slutter Nut, The Diary of a Rape Trial on digital. That will be on iTunes and Amazon, Vimeo, and available for download on our website and for ordering DVDs. This digital worldwide release will take place in early April and we'll keep you posted on that exact date. In the meantime, we are taking bookings for screenings and community events. You can get in touch with us via our website to organize a screening. That's www.slutternut.ca. And we've recently updated the film and edited a new copy uh, to further reflect the interests of the survivors involved in the project. So we're looking forward to sharing that with the world and offering the film for everyone to see because it is an educational film that shows exactly what it's like to report rape and what it is like to report to the police, get a rape kit done, and go through the criminal trial process as a witness testifying in your own sexual assault or rapes. We think the film has a lot to offer and we're excited to share it with the world. And so for this episode, I wanted to circle back and do a quick Q&A with Mandy Gray, the main protagonist of Slutter Nut, the Diary of a Rape Trial, to ask her post-trial what she's learned throughout the process. Here we go with Mandy Gray, PhD student, writer, speaker, and activist. So I know you get this question a lot, but let's start with what is it like to report rape? Reporting sucks. Uh, yeah, I witnessed that firsthand. Um, and with the conviction rate only being one out of every 1,000 sexual assaults actually resulting in a conviction, you wonder why anyone would go through the lengthy and stressful process of trying to seek justice in the legal system. But for those women who are thinking about reporting their sexual assault to the police, what advice do you have for them? So report because you want to, not because like anybody else is encouraging you to. Maybe you're reporting because you want a restraining order or particular measures in place that you think will keep you safe. That might also be because you want to report for the sake of testifying in court and potential for punishment. But at the end of the day, you need to report because you want to and not because other people are encouraging you to because you're going to be the one that has to make the sacrifices in your own life to go through this process. And it could take 
potentially years to see the process from beginning to end. And if you do decide to report rape, what are some things you can do for yourself to make the process go easier, if there's such a thing as making the process go easier? Regardless of whether you decide to report or not, you need to take notes. Take notes of everything. What happened? Where did it happen? Who was there? Who did you talk to after? Do you have any text messages that you sent immediately after? Even if you don't plan on reporting, you may want to in the future and it might be beneficial to refresh your memory or maybe you wanna write about it or even make a film about it in the future. Notes will only help you, but be mindful of where you keep these notes and if it's not safe for you to do so, you might wanna keep it with a friend or in a password protected computer. Was there anything in the process after you reported your sexual assault that really threw you for a loop or that you felt unprepared for? That was a mistake that I made is that I deleted all my text messages so I wasn't prepared for what they were going to say when I was on the stand and then the lawyer had all of the text messages from the duration of the relationship between the accused and I and read every single text in court. I would have been better prepared had I not deleted him out of my phone, had I held on to those messages, um, and I would have been more ready for the lines of questioning, but I didn't have the ability to remember what was in those text messages and caught me off guard. How can my posting on social media impact me if I decide to report sexual assault? Be so careful what you post on social media. Public discourse might have you believe that we are in a place where perpetrators are held accountable for sexual violence, but as soon as you report, regardless of whether it's to the cops or your campus or your workplace, it's you that's under investigation. So everything that you post on social media, regardless of whether you think your settings are set to private, could potentially be used to discredit you. And this even refers to posts that might not necessarily even be about sexual violence. Remember that it is you that is being investigated, not the perpetrator. It is your credibility that will be uh, discredited and interrogated. So even if you think that something doesn't relate to sexual violence, it could still be used to show that you are not somebody who is truthful or that you have a particular agenda or that you're reporting for some larger reason. So be really mindful as soon as you report what it is you're posting. And even if you think that your settings are set to private, it doesn't necessarily mean that the lawyer or the investigator or even the perpetrator don't have access to it because you never know who might be feeding them information from your social media. Where can I go for legal advice? There are legal clinics that offer advice to survivors of sexual assault who will provide information about their options and their availability of the case. If I don't want to go to the police, is there somewhere else I can go to report my sexual assault? There's numerous options available for reporting, so it doesn't necessarily need to be to the police. It could also be to, for example, your workplace, on campus. It could be to a professional board. So if you're sexually assaulted by a physiotherapist or a doctor, for example, just Google and see what's available in your community and see if you're able to set up an orientation or to find out more about their services. What if I'm sexually assaulted at work? Are there special concerns? 
If your sexual assault happened in the context of employment, you may want to seek out legal clinics that specialize in employment law and offer pro bono or low cost services. You could look into human rights legal support centers. They might be able to help you if you're interested in filing a human rights complaint against a university or a workplace. Should I hire my own lawyer? If you have the financial means, you can also hire a lawyer. People within the legal system would discourage you from hiring a lawyer. They'll tell you it's not necessary, but I think hiring a lawyer was one of the best things that I did in my own experience. They can answer any questions and act as an advocate for you. The only thing is, is that they won't be able to act on your behalf within court. So that's to hire a lawyer just to give me information, but what if I want to hire a lawyer to help me sue the perpetrator? If you want to find out more about hiring a lawyer for a civil suit, uh, many lawyers will meet with you to discuss your options for free. And if you have a strong case, may set up a contingency plan if the lawsuit is successful. And what exactly is a contingency plan? A contingency refers to the lawyer not taking any payment up front, but if they believe in your case and think that there is a likelihood of not only winning the case, but also that there is money. So for example, uh, with a workplace or a business, they would take a percentage of the settlement. So while hiring a lawyer may seem out of reach for most, and in most cases it is, there are other options available to people. Um, It's just a matter of finding out where they are and doing some research. Does suing the perpetrator make me look bad? Will people think that I'm lying and just in it for the money? (laughs) I don't have an answer. Yes, you will. People will tell you that No matter what decision you make, whether it's to sue, whether it's to go to the Human Rights Tribunal, whether it's to uh, file criminal charges, people will tell you you're doing the wrong thing. You're ruining a man's career. Fuck them. Like, don't listen to them. It doesn't matter. No matter what choice you do, if you do nothing, people will talk shit. If you go to the cops, people will talk shit. Just do what is best for you. Can I trust the police? You may have a great officer assigned to the case and that's amazing but the culture of policing is not conducive to supporting survivors and very rarely do I hear from folks that they've had a positive experience reporting to the police they will take your statement and ideally they won't ask you too many questions that are irrelevant or make statements about what you were wearing or how much you had to drink or minimize your experience but be aware that that is still very much a problem within our culture of policing what about other public institutions supporting survivors of sexual assault and our judicial system institutions are not people and they don't care about you When you report a sexual assault, you become a set of facts, a case, and certainly not a person with complex needs. Institutions are incapable of empathy or understanding of personal circumstances. What's something else that you learned that you didn't know throughout this process? Question authority. One of the most important lessons I've learned is that you can challenge people when they tell you this is just the way it is or this is just how we do things. It doesn't always mean it's true or that it's accurate information. You should always ask questions. You don't have to take answers from cops, from lawyers, 
from other people that might be involved in the process at face value, you can challenge them and I encourage you to. You need to be your own self-advocate. People will tell you all sorts of things and they might not be consistent with what is written in law or in policy. So it's really imperative that you're knowledgeable about the policies and laws in place and utilize them and draw on them to question or challenge authority figures when you aren't quite sure if what they're saying is actually true or not. Essentially, trust no one. I understand that if the charges are laid, you will also be assigned a victim witness worker. Can you explain what this worker does? If your case proceeds to trial, you will be assigned a victim witness worker who in theory is supposed to provide support, any resources and information about the trial. It's unlikely that you'll hear from the victim witness worker until the trial is about to begin. It's really important that you know anything you disclose to the victim witness worker must disclose that information to the Crown, who in turn must provide that information to the defense lawyer, who is representing the person that you've accused of sexual assault. There is very little confidentiality between you and the victim witness worker. So, for example, I had a meeting with a victim witness worker who told me that the meeting was off the record. During the trial, the defense lawyer found out about the meeting and asked for all the notes to be inserted into evidence. So although I was told the meeting was off the record, the defense lawyer can and has access to the record if they desire. Do you think your experience would be different if you were sexually assaulted today post Me Too rather than uh, being assaulted in 2015, do you think it, made it, it would have made a difference in your experience? One of the most frustrating experiences I have is that people assume that had I been sexually assaulted this year as opposed to in 2015, that my experience would be vastly different. The reality is that the sexual assault laws in Canada are amongst the most progressive in the world. When I was sexually assaulted, my university had a policy in place. I say this to remind you that even if the so-called good laws or policy are in place, laws and policies are only as good as the people working within the institutions. They are meaningless without actually being used or referred to in everyday practice. What helped you to move on from your sexual assault and to heal yourself? So for me, when it became too onerous to write everything down, I began doing video diaries and I found them really helpful, not only for my own personal process of dealing with things when I didn't necessarily have somebody to talk to or I had exacerbated all my resources and no one wanted to listen to me anymore. And it also was a really great tool for documentation. Don't anticipate that healing will come with a conviction. Trust me, I know I've been there and I did not feel better after because that conviction did not unrape me. I'll tell you that. It doesn't change who's going to believe you and who isn't going to believe you. So at the end of the day, do what's best for you and you need to be your own first priority. Yep. Take care of yourself. Self-care is queen. Thank you so much, and you can hear more from Mandy Gray in the documentary film Slutternut, The Diary of a Rape Trial, which will be available for streaming worldwide in the beginning of April 2019. As I said, this is the final episode of season one of Slutternut the podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening. For more updates on the podcast and the film, you can follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Slutternut the Movie. 
And you can also check out our website for more podcast episodes and other information, as well as a discussion guide on the film and a way to organize community screenings of the film. That's at www.slutternut.ca. Thanks again so much for listening. <laughs>